RadioInfluence.com. You've seen Chef Ryan Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Ryan Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, everybody. What's going on Friday morning? Friday morning. Friday morning. I don't know why I act like Friday mornings are this, like, really poignant moment in my life because literally every day is like a work day. Um, I rarely get that kind of day off, but I do try to take them. I do try to take them in my travel days are always something that I try to do. That's something fun as well, especially when I get into a city or something like that. But I act like Friday mornings like woohoo weekend, but uh, it's really not that way. So uh, let's see. Where are we? We just got back. I have to look at my calendar. Excuse me to figure out where I was. Um so I was uh, I was in Lancaster or in Philadelphia two weeks ago, had some fun at the Taste Philly event that we did out in uh, in Oaks, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia a little while. Um, <clears throat> just had a great time. I mean, uh, the, the people that put this event on do just an awesome, awesome job. Um, huge, huge event. L- loads of vendors, great culinary programs that get put on. And I got to play around a lot. I really did. Because one of my buddies is out there. He's been on the show in the past, um, G Love. And we got to hang out for a little while, so I was pretty stoked about that. Um, he was getting ready to take off on a little tour. He was going into Nashville to record, then heading out to San Diego. But while we were hanging out, uh, I got to play around with a lot of food. Um, so I made this uh, crazy duck dish that I wanted to play with. I hooked up with this company out of Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, and they are the Jergowitz boys. That's the brother or the son and the father, I believe. J-U-R-G-L. There they are. Yep. Jergowitz and son. Um, and they own a company called Tasty Duck. And it's America's Tastiest Duck. These guys just do. They're a really, really cool uh, company. Um, four generations of this company has been around <clears throat> since 1933. Uh, when they came here from Poland um, and they got into the duck farm, um, you know, they quickly became like this huge producer of Pekin ducks um, for the famous Long Island Duck Company. Um, and this was early on, man. This was like super early on um, going into the 50s and 60s where they just continued to go forward. So uh, for me, I try to get with like local purveyors whenever I do something super local in Philly. And these guys just really came through in a clutch. They did an amazing job, sent me a whole bunch of duck. I was playing around with some of their stuff. They also have uh, this, uh, this duck confit that they put together that's just beautiful. It's a beautiful product of, of shredded duck um, in its own fat. They sent me a whole bunch of rendered out duck fat as well that I've been cooking with. I did these really neat little uh, fritters, which was a duck confit fritter. It had fennel and carrots and all that stuff in there. And I dipped it in a Jack Daniels donut glaze. So basically take a little bit of heavy cream, take a little bit of powdered sugar, whip it together until it becomes like a glaze. And then you put in some Jack Daniels. So in this case I did, I don't know, I think I did eight ounces of, uh, of uh, heavy cream. I did about eight ounces of powdered sugar, 10 X 
And then I did uh, about three ounces. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Three ounces of Jack. So it was beautiful. All that liquor still in there. That bite is still in there. And this really crispy little fritter batter that I made that I did with, uh, I actually took a hush puppy batter that I found and I added in some cornbread mix because I wanted that kind of crispy, crunchy from that corn, um, that cornbread mix on the outside of it. It was really good. It was a great sweet and savory dish, but I, 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 I brined and smoked a duck breast. Uh, duck breast. I brined and smoked 90 pounds of duck breast, in fact, um, where uh, I, I just played around with it. You know, I did a really cool brine with some of G Love's uh, beer uh, from Good Life. It's called the Danky Dank IPA. It's really good stuff from G Love Special Sauce. I utilize a little bit of his hot sauce. Whenever I work with a celebrity or something like that, especially if they have a food product, I try to take their product and I try to create something super cool out of it. So I did a brown butter sourdough toast that I topped off with some cheddar Swiss and Parmesan cheese that we melted on, uh, in line. When I do these events, like a lot of people are scoop and shoot. I'm not a scoop and shoot guy. I'm not the type of guy who, um, you know, has everything pre-made. The burgers are all pre-cooked. Like I want to cook them while you're waiting. You're going to wait a couple minutes, but you're going to get a great dish out of it. I want you to taste it and love it. So I don't know what I'm going to do for Lancaster yet, but I'm definitely going to play around with some fun food. So, um, Sorry, I'm a little stuffed up. I'm just getting over the dreaded man cold, <clears throat> which I'm really kind of not happy about. But it's one of the things when you travel. So um, so I did that brined and smoked duck brace. We sliced it. We seared it uh, into order when, when they got in line. And then we topped it off with a pickled vegetable slaw. I did this really cool California walnut toasted aioli where I toasted off my walnuts and then I milked them a little bit. And then I made a super cool aioli out of it. Um, and then we just topped that with a little bit of G Love's hot sauce. It was kind of fun. So that was my kind of world that I lived in, uh, being out in Lancaster or in Pennsylvania or in Philly. And then I flew to Birmingham, Alabama, where I went to uh, the newest, if I'm not mistaken, James Beard award-winning restaurant, which I'll have to tell you, I was shocked because I, I didn't know it was a James Beard winner. I knew the chef was, and his food was creative. But I wasn't impressed. I, I just really wasn't. Um, everything that we got was pretty much lukewarm. There really wasn't a lot of heat to it. And by heat, I mean physical, actual heat. Um, and the food was okay. You know, it was just okay. I wasn't blown away by it. I had a pork chop that was brined and grilled that was served, uh, oddly enough, mid-rare um, closer up towards the bone, which we all know it takes a little bit more to get the heat through there, but it was also mid rare on the far right hand side of it. So it was this beautiful pork chop that tasted delicious, but it was like kind of rare and chewy really wasn't what I had, had, had anticipated and <clears throat> it was just okay. So I'm not going to say the name of the restaurant. I'm not going to get involved in all that shit because it's not my job to really beat them up. Um, I'm sure the chef has his own world of beating up that he has, that he does on a daily basis. So um, it kind of sucked. I, I just really wasn't that impressed by it. And uh, then I went and did my GE event. So we had a boatload of fun over there. Got to meet some super cool people. 
Um, saw a great band that was uh, playing a really cool cover band. Um, we just had a lot of fun. So, uh, so that was kind of the week leading up to where I am right now, which is home. I'm home this week. I have to go into New York this weekend. So when you guys hear this air, I will actually be up at uh, up, up in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. I am going to be a part of a, a, a really cool food festival called Food Loves Tech. So I'm going to be working with three different pieces of equipment up there. I'm going to be working with this awesome new indoor pizza oven put out by GE that they took pizzas from around the world and went and basically talked and did research to everybody who created these pizzas. And they designed this oven to have five separate settings that will make your favorite style of pizza. There's a Detroit in there. There's a Chicago. I'm sorry. There's a Neapolitan. Um, and then there's also, you can do uh, your own custom settings. But the cool part about this thing is that the dome cooks up to 1600 degrees and the base gets up to 675. So you're able to produce some really, really cool pizzas. And again, this is all being done in so inside without having to utilize an outside ventilation. So it's kind of neat um, to see. And it's like an in-cabinet, in-wall unit. <clears throat> I do that. I also cook with an induction cooktop. Anybody who knows what induction is, works with electromagnetic energy. Super cool. Then my favorite piece of all time, I've worked with this piece of equipment for years, and it's called the Advantium, which cooks with over 4,500 watts of halogen light. So I'll do some cool demos coming up in the next couple of weeks. You guys will be able to check those out and um, see some of the neat stuff that happens with that as well. Um, but I'll put them up there when I go out and do these demos. Uh, I'm doing some tomahawk ribeyes and some scallops, and I'm doing a pretty cool Oreo cut pasta dish with some barbecue chicken and roasted corn. And Yep, you caught me with a yawn there, my friends. I got a yawn in there. Um, so uh, one of the things that I really love to do is I just meet super cool people when I'm on the road. And I've also started to meet some really fun people through Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that, which is super dangerous. I don't suggest you do it. But when I land in a city, I typically will like let people know I'm there. And if I know or have spoken to or had some cool conversations with some people on the road, then I get to hang out with them. So the other night, uh, a friend of mine is a flight attendant. She's a friend of mine. She's an Instagram friend of mine, now a friend who uh, had flown in. She is a flight attendant for a major airline, which I can't say because she's going to be on the show after hearing the stories of her and her friend. She had a friend of hers, a guy who was with her, um, who's a flight attendant as well, who's been doing it for years. Guy's out of Nashville. was a really good dude, a really nice guy. I like talking to him. He also has a podcast. Um, they do a crazy baseball game every week uh, with a whole bunch of his buddies, and he does a crazy little podcast talking about the, a recap of the baseball game. So uh, one of these guys that I've gotten to meet was uh, a gentleman named Alan Lane, and Alan is uh, a friend of a friend. Uh, you guys remember my buddy Bryce, who's been out here before. Um, he is a, uh, he, he's a he's a good dude. Uh, I, I've really had a lot of fun kind of follow following him in the last couple of weeks and the last couple of months and the last couple of years, all of that stuff. And uh, I, I didn't even know this is the funniest part about this. He lives in Philly, which is really just the craziest part about it. So um, I want you guys to do me a favor because we have some pretty cool stuff that we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to start off with a little bit of an introduction. 
the gentleman's name is Alan Lane. Uh, Alan's a businessman, a journalist, a publisher, um, and he, he's a he's a motorcyclist. And he crisscrosses the country and he encourages fellow bikers and fans with positive riding experiences. He's got a monthly digital magazine called Sport Bikes Incorporated. It's now uh, he at, at this point, which this this was put out in 2015, was five years old. And now, you know, it's 2018. So, you know, we're eight years into this and it has now become the nation's top resource in the world of motor, mo- blah, 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 motorcycle ready edutainment. So pretty cool that he actually they created a word called edutainment, educational entertainment, folks. That's what we're here to do. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to do me a favor. Uh, this guy's also known as the Black Moses. I want you guys to do me a favor and turn your radios up. Put the headphones on. I got a feeling I'm going to curse because I'm going to be talking to a biker dude as well. Um, put your hands together and uh, welcome to Duffified Live, Mr. Alan Lane. Mr. Lane. This is I. What's up, brother? How are you doing, my guy? I'm pretty awesome, man. We're in the same city, if I'm not mistaken. Philadelphia, born and raised. PA, man. Philly, PA. Yes. Uh, Alan, hey, do me a favor. Why don't yeah. you tell everybody who you are, what you do, and how we can get in contact with you? Very cool. Very cool. Uh, my name is Alan Lane. I, lack of a better word, I, I ride motorcycles for a living. Uh, I own Sport Bikes Inc. magazine. I'm the editor in chief and publisher. I also own Hard Knocks Motorcycle Entertainment. And that is a consulting entertainment company that in, that allows me to work with manufacturers and other uh, organizations within the motorcycle industry and around the motorcycle industry as either a direct consultant or a host uh, for event MC. I do a little bit of acting, a little bit of voiceover work, all things related to the motorcycle industry and just about every aspect of it uh, can be found. Or on uh, a vehicle uh, of choice for contact would be Instagram at Instagram.com backslash Mr. Black Moses or mm-hmm. Instagram.com backslash Sport Bikes Inc. And that's Sport Bikes Inc. Sport Bikes Inc. and Mr. Black Moses. So yeah. we actually have a couple of people uh, in common. Small world. I know. Very small world. So my best friend, Jeff Axtell. Yeah. who is a, an avid listener. Uh, he's going to be pretty stoked. I'm not even going to tell him that you're on. I'm just going to let him see it. Nice, nice. Uh, so anybody wants to follow Jeff, Jeff is known as a motorcycle riding techno weenie. That's how he uh, he kind of uh, positions himself in this world. And on Twitter, uh, on Twitter, he is uh, uh, at G Axtell or on Instagram. I don't know if I'll give his Instagram out because he posts like really cool, fun pictures of his kids. But, uh, uh, but yeah, Jeff's a good dude. And then Bryce Cooper. Bryce. Let me tell you about that guy. Oh, I love Bryce's stories. One of he has one of the greatest spirits uh, that a human being can have. Um, I've never seen him upset, and when he was upset, I couldn't tell. He that guy is just a monster of positive, yeah, uh, energy, and he's just a great, great guy. He makes me laugh. He's always a good time. Never had a bad time with that guy. Unless you're riding a 1962 Road King. Oh. Or street glide, sorry, and oh. you ride the brakes a little too much, oh. and you're on, uh, and you're riding through L.A. down to Pacific Beach, and he yells at you. And okay, so that must be his pet peeve right there. That, that must be is the, his fucking. That's pet the one. Peeve. 
That's crazy. And I finally pulled over and I said, I'm not enjoying this anymore. When was this? When was this? This was about a year ago. I was out in L.A. And when I, and I'm actually I'm staying at Bryce's house in a couple of weeks. My brother's getting married. And I'm bringing the girls out. So we're going to stay with him and his girl and the chickens. Nice. And the chickens. He cracks me up with the pictures, with the pictures of the eggs and the chicken. Uh. I'm like, can I probably get a breakfast sandwich? I don't know. I'm just saying, how can I be well, dead? And he, and he doesn't even cook an egg well. That's crazy. He's got the fucking chickens, but he doesn't cook the egg well. Oh, um, Bryce and I have been friends for a long time. We actually did a lot of stuff together when we were younger. Uh, we both worked for GE for a while. He was doing his design on a dime stuff and working for GE for lighting. And right. I was just a spokesperson. And we met, I believe it was like Orlando or Chicago, and we just became fast friends, man. We've been friends ever since. So that was probably 10, 12 years ago. It's amazing how the universe puts people together. You know, really crazy. Well, I called Bryce about two, about three or four months ago and he, and he picks up the phone and he's like, what the fuck do you want? (laughs) That sounds like him. And the best part, he was in like Starbucks. And he stops and he's like, oh, right now. <laughs> he's over the top, man. Wow, that guy's a great, he's a great guy. Though. Well, did you see his birthday pictures for his 40th birthday? No. When okay. was that? I, I, I don't know, like six months ago. You know, what? I'm going to, while we're talking, I'm looking at his Instagram. You got to look, dude, he was, well, he sent me a video of him. He was fucking wing walking. What? On the plane? Like on a biplane, like he climbs out of the seat, climbs up on top of the wings and he puts like, you know, like a seatbelt on and full blown wing walks. Because a seatbelt at that point is so important, right? Exactly. (laughs) At that point, a seatbelt is that's what. Yeah. Okay. He's he's a nut. He's a nut. I love him to death. So, um, so you and Bryce connected through motorcycles, motorcycles. Yeah. For Harley. I met Bryce while he was racing the uh, Harley class in what was then uh, AMA before right. it came, became Moto America before you know transition. But I met I met Bryce then, and uh, yeah, that guy can. For the record, that guy can ride his ass off. He really can. Yeah, I, I knew that. I did know that because I've heard other people talk about him that way. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know if you're. I don't know what 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 denotes a good rider or not. Not falling off. Not falling off. I mean, that was pretty much <laughs> that would pretty much be the one. Well, there's a guy that we both follow. I don't know who he is, but he took his fingertips off. Who's this? Dude, he's in. A, he's he's on Instagram. I don't even know his you name, but I, I you and I. Yeah, we both follow him. And what's you got his? Uh, I don't his, even know. I don't even know. But I just I know it was like a, it was like a four month process for him to get the bandages off. Like, I guess he was going around a corner or something, and I don't know, his glove fell off. I have no idea. This is a racer. This is a racer, and he took four of his fingertips off down to the bone. Look, I'll tell you a little secret. There are a number of racers. It's not really a secret, but it's a little inside information. There are a number of pro racers that have the nickname Nubby. Right. They either are missing that top portion of their pinky finger because yeah. they've either clipped it, they've either come off the bike, and, you know, that's a very exposed, even though you, you can have the greatest gloves right. in the world, and, you know, if you have an off or a bad moment, and that weight of your body and the bike and the ground and the asphalt, if it clips that pinky, that little tip is coming off. 
Um, so a lot of there's an if you ever walk a paddock at a race event, take a look at the pinkies of most riders. Really? Bet bet good money. I would say maybe forty to fifty percent of them are missing uh, wow. that portion of the pinky. Yeah. Dude, I want to I want to go to a race with you sometime. You let me know when. This is the plan. All right, we're making a plan right now. The, our local track is New Jersey Motorsports Park, and I do a lot of work with that track. Uh, everything okay. from promotion to uh, marketing, I help those guys out. Uh, Sport Bikes Inc. My magazine is the media partner for the track, and we've got a lot of great events coming up in 2019 that include some track days and some races. That's locally. Nationally, we go to MotoGP in Austin, Texas. Brother, that's that. And Austin itself, you know about Austin, obviously. I've never been. I've never been, but I know all about it. I know. All right. We're going. Austin, throw one hell of a party on the Friday night to kick the MotoGP weekend off. That's in April. Then in July, we go to Monterey for Laguna Seca for World Superbike. So we get it covered. April, MotoGP in Austin. July, World Superbike in Monterey. And then in September is the Moto America round at New Jersey Motorsports Park. So that's our, we'll we'll plot the course. We'll make it happen. All right. I'm totally cool with that, dude. We should get you. So every year I do an event out in Spokane, Washington called called uh, Crave Northwest, which is this super cool event that I brought Jeff out with me this year. And there's a dealership out there. They're a Harley dealership. They sell. They're the number one dealership in the Pacific Northwest. It's called Lone Wolf Harley Davidson. Lone Wolf. Okay. And they, I don't know why they like me. I know how much I like them because they're an amazing group of people. But I get I get a bike from them and we just ride. Jeff and I did a little under fifteen hundred miles this year. That's nuts. We did Spokane, Washington, up in through Glacier National Park. Okay. Uh, hiked into Glacier National Park up to the top. This little place called Hidden Hidden Lake, and then came back out. We ended up in Montana. We rode all the way down the western side of Montana, back through Idaho, in through Oregon, and then back up into. Uh, Spokane, Washington, and it was one of the most amazing trips I've ever been on. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, it was unbelievable. I could only imagine the sights. I mean, 14 national forests in one trip in five days. That's, you know, that's that's border. It's not iron butt, but it's definitely sore butt by the time you're done. You know, it, it actually really wasn't that bad, dude. I mean, they the, they gave us street glides, so we rode. You know, we rode good bikes, yeah. um, and and I mean, it really wasn't a bad ride, man, like, at all. Are you a long? Are you ever? Are you a long distance rider at all? I've done my my fair share. Um, one of my obviously, I have a few bikes in my stable. Uh, the my cruiser selection is a Ducati. 2016 X Diablo S and I took delivery of that in Daytona and I rode that home to Philadelphia. So that is to date. That's the longest, the longest trek that I've done. Um, what's that? 12. Is that, uh, what's that? 800, 900 miles, 1200. It's, oh, it's, it's just around. And I broke it up a little bit. I did take a break in between, uh, but it's just about around a thousand Hold on, I'm, I gotta Google this shit, man. Daytona to Philly. Yeah. 
going to Philly. And of course, it's going to give me an airfare. Ah. So it's 935 miles. What did I say? A thousand? What did I say? A thousand? Yeah. Yeah. So So 935, give or take. But with stops and everything else, you're at a thousand miles. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you do 95 up or did you take side roads? I took 95 till I got above the Mason Dixon line. Let me tell you something. For the people that don't know, I'm a big <laughs> brother. So uh, I'm big. I'm hard to miss. I look like a teddy bear. Or actually, I look like a grizzly bear who's more of a teddy bear. But I'm hard to miss. So below, <laughs> sorry, below the Mason-Dixon line, I have a tendency to be well-behaved. Uh, once I got closer to home, you know, I hit the back rows and lit it up a little bit. But um, I do, you know, I enjoy the cruise. The cruise, you know, 95, I think is it's a good way to get from point A to point B. Um, but when I can misbehave a little bit, you know, I, I prefer to do that closer to home or where I have more friends that in case something does go south, I can make a call or two and get out of Dodge. Right. Now, are you, have you done, have you done tail of the dragon? I have not, but that is, I don't have a bucket list. I have a, I need to do that shit list. Right. And that's on my I need to do that shit list. And actually, and that is I'm looking at 2019. That's on my soft calendar. That's on my soft itinerary for 2019. Go down and knock that out. What about you? I've never done it. I've heard about it. Um, We did uh, we did Hell's Canyon this year. Now, where's that? So that is Pacific Northwest. So that is uh, right before you hit Oregon coming out of Idaho. Um, there's hell's Canyon and snake river. It runs along snake river. And we had 133 miles of S curves, What? but it's, but they're 45 mile an hour S curves. So you're still riding at a really good pace, Okay. but you're not, you know, you're not dropping down to 20 and 25 and 15 miles an hour. So it's going around more consistent. So it's more consistent and it's just, and it's, you know, I mean, it's a beautiful ride. I mean, it's just what about elevation changes? Are there not not a lot, not a tremendous amount. As nope. you're coming out of Glacier and Spokane and all that, you're hitting some pretty big elevations up there in the mountains. Have you done Snake Mount uh, Snake the Snake in LA? Uh, no drive. No, no, brother. Uh-huh. Let me let me tell you that I've done that, and okay. you know, from the East Coast, it's just it's different it's just different basically riding the snake is there's a beautiful you're going up a mountain okay so you are one on your on one side there's this mountain okay and then on your other side there's this beautiful view and death right it's like you want to appreciate the beauty but your job is to stay focused on the task at hand which is to ride that bike and pay attention and do what you're supposed to be doing but it is really daunting for the first time to go up this mountain. There's no guardrail. And you right. have other people who ride this canyon, who ride the snake every weekend. They're zipping past you and they're making you feel like a turtle as they just run right by you. But it really was, it, it's really beautiful. It's daunting. It's challenging. But I had a ball. It's one of those, it was on my, to, I did that shit list. Yeah. It off. If you haven't done it, man, oh, just there's a guy named R. Mickey Mouse on Instagram, and he okay. just sits and films video of people riding the snake. And some, it's called his. He's R. Mickey Mouse. R. Mickey Mouse. 
And he will, I mean, like sometimes it's really, really cool people doing really great stuff, but he does catch the ones who, let's just say their ambition outweigh their ability. Right. Yeah. So it, you know, you see that stuff and you think about, wow, why are people doing this? It's really exhilarating. I had a ball. ball. There he is. Is he a, yeah, but he's like a Disney dude and it's all in Japanese or something. Oh, that might be the wrong one. R Mickey Mouse. I don't. Oh wait, hold on. Yeah, there's a couple in here. We got R Mickey Mouse 192. We're literally gonna blow up people's Instagram. R Mickey Mouse 62. R. Because when somebody tells me to follow somebody, it's like the I don't even pay attention to anything else. Ah. Because you know how it is, man. I mean, we like we meet super cool fucking people, and you're like, oh my god, you got to follow this guy. Yeah. And you know what the thing is? I tell people all the time, my worst day. I sound like Judge Judy, but my worst day in this industry beats my best day anywhere else. Yeah. Like I would would never want to do anything else ever again. The bike industry just has me. How did you so so let's go. So let's break it down to yeah. a small black man before you were a big black man. I was always a big black man. Were you really I know yeah. <laughs> when you're your size, you're I was almost ten pounds when I came out, man. My poor mom. <laughs> so what so okay, so where did you grow up? In Philadelphia? Germantown. Grew up in Germantown. Jew and Shelton. I went to Pastorius, uh, FD Pastorius, man, elementary school. And then my folks moved us to Abington. We moved to Abington and I was about 11 or 12. So I went to junior high in in Abington, Abington Junior High, and then on to the senior high school, same campus. Um, And honestly, that was, that's, my my family's remained in Philadelphia. So I was, even though we moved to the burbs, my immediate family, I was always back in Philly as much as possible. Okay. And what, I mean, how does, how do you get, I mean, were, were your family into bikes at all? Okay. So you, you've seen bad boys, the movie. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Martin Lawrence. Okay. Yeah. Take both of their characters. Okay. And you put them together. And you have my older brother, Gregory. Okay. okay. Now, Gregory, he is, he was the one that got me into bikes. And Gregory, uh, about maybe six years ago, retired corporal with the state police. Uh, oh, in, cool. This yeah. So he, you know, action guy. Um, Wait a second. Yeah. His last name is Lane as well? His last name is Brodus. Oh, okay. Never mind. All right. Because I got a crazy fucking state trooper story for you. So oh. go ahead. But so he, uh, Gregory got me into bikes and, you know, I was a late bloomer. I didn't start riding until I was closer to 20. Um, I saw the, the stress and and the wear that it had on my mom where that, you know, that she went through while she worried about Greg. Um, I just kind of waited till I got out of high school and Greg got me into bikes. Uh, I remember we, my first bike was a, was it an 87 Honda Nighthawk 750 with a bad alternator. The battery kept dying. And I loved the bike, but I hated it at the same time because it I wasn't hate electrical problem. It Jesus. wasn't reliable, you know, and yeah, it, yeah, it was it was really a, it was a pain in the ass. But I loved it, but it was a pain in the ass. Um, it was like a couple of first relationships <laughs> that I was yeah. in. You loved it. But, ah, uh, um, she was the best. But goddamn. Yeah, right. Like, ah, so why can't she just work the way I wanted to work? Um, <laughs> I'm happily married now, though. I will say that I'm, very, I'm happily married. Gotcha. But, uh, this was early on, early on. So the, uh, yeah, so seven, Nighthawk 750, 
And, you know, I just, I fell in love with, with everything that being a motorcyclist brought to the table. When I was a kid, I read comic books. And so, you know, for me to find a way as an adult to wear leather boots, gloves, jacket, and look like a superhero and be cool about it. I was in, I was all in. Um, so from there, I found myself at, after a certain time, I found myself working for Araldo Faraci at Fast by Faraci in Willow Grove. And I was fortunate enough and blessed enough to know who I was working on, uh, who I was working with. I'm sorry. Um, right. I knew that I knew Araldo's pedigree. I knew his legacy. I went to high school with one of his kids. Steven was uh, two years behind me at Abington. Um, so I knew it wasn't like, you know, you get a job working at a shop. It was like, you know, I, I knew who I was working for. And I took every opportunity to be a sponge, to learn and just, you know, make an impact. And what I didn't know at the time was going to become a career for me, but it quickly did. And Oraldo took me under his wing and he from afar mentored me like he didn't know he was being my mentor. Right. Um but he was, and I, you know, he and I are very close to this day. Uh, and you know, he, he's aware now what he means to me, but at the time I just, I just watched. And honestly, there was, as I was told, and color has nothing to do with it. We might talk about color a lot. We might talk about race, but it, I'm not really, it, 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 the only impact it had in this regard is that I was the only black person that worked for Raldo in the capacity that I worked for him. Okay. People began to take notice that there was this big black guy working for Araldo. So my reputation preceded me in a positive way. People knew who I was before I met them. They just know oh, you're the black guy that works for Araldo. And so my network began to grow because one, I, I knew what I was talking about. I loved my job and I took it very seriously. So all those elements together laid a great foundation for me to springboard into the industry. And, uh, you know, as they say, the rest is history. So, I mean, that, that was like, I mean, and, and prior to this, so how old were you when you started to work for him? I was in mid twenties. I was around 20, I guess I was around 25, 24, 25. And what, before that I had been, I, I did the whole thing. I was a bouncer. Um, I, I worked at a bank, believe it or not, I was an assistant uh, branch manager at a commerce bank. Remember those <laughs> commerce? Hell yeah, man. Yeah. I was, I had done several things to try to find my niche. I actually, after high school, I went to Tyler school of art, Temple university. I studied painting. Um, and so my background, edu- you know, as far as education wise was in, uh, in the arts, uh, and so in fine arts and graphic design, which obviously it's fitting that I would wind up publishing a magazine sure. having that aesthetic, um, but yeah, it wasn't until around 2025 is when I found myself working for Araldo. And you were doing that full time for him. Full time. Full time. I was his parts manager. I was oh, okay. I was nice. It was really, and I tell you, man, it was, I could not, I cannot speak Italian. I cannot speak, but I know when I do, I know when I did something wrong. Right. I, I knew when he was upset. Um, I knew when to be quiet and I just, he was a hot tempered man and I understood his, where his passion was. And that was one of the greatest gifts that I gained from Araldo 
one of the greatest things that I that I witnessed from him is that his passion was unparalleled. It was unchallenged. He loved what he did, and that was it. That, and it was it was it was awe inspiring to be in his company. That's cool. So, how long did you work with him? I worked for Ronaldo for about five years before I branched out and started doing my own thing. Uh, when I was on the back end of twenty. I left Araldo and it was a very, it's a very interesting story. Araldo hired a general manager who actually fired me. Oh um, shit. Yeah. It was, it's an interesting story. I'm not going to name his name. Um, but this guy came from the Midwest and he, again, Curry doesn't have to do with things, but it kind sure. of goes here. He just assumed that I was there just to collect a check. He didn't know how interwoven I was into the culture of the shop. Uh, So this general manager, uh, long story short, fired me. And it was, he fired me over some, uh, it was some real bullshit. He wanted me to sign something and I wouldn't sign it. He didn't know that I went to high school with the Rowder's kids. He didn't know that uh, my parents lived about uh, four minutes away from Araldo. He didn't know that this was kind of a neighborhood thing. Right. it was crazy. So he fires me about two weeks before Araldo's. He had a Araldo had an annual Christmas sale, Fast by Farachi annual Christmas sale. I was the parts manager and I was also the number one sales guy. So he fired the and it was only two of us, two salespeople. <laughs> right. right? The other guy was a slacker. So, sure. but he looked like the general manager, if you get what I'm saying. I so you. I get fired, Christmas sale. And, 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 wait, before the Christmas sale, this guy, this general manager, he orders a whole bunch of inventory because he only heard about the Christmas sale. So he was planning on just selling and moving units and making money and yada, yada, yada. So he bought a whole bunch of apparel and parts and accessories and what have you. But then he fired the sales guy. So nobody sold this stuff because the slacker didn't even show up for work the day of the Christmas party. Oh, shit. Right. So. That was that guy's legacy. <laughs> That's my Ferrachi. This is after he fired me. Right. Now, Araldo and I, we didn't actually talk for about two years. Two <laughs> years after I left, he thought I was upset with him. And I thought he was upset with me because he, I felt as though he let the guy fire me. Sure. Araldo didn't really understand what happened. He just knew that the general manager made the decision and he had to, you know, it's that power play. He had to back the general manager. I get it. It all worked out. But it was at that time when I was let go, when I said to myself, I can either lick my wounds or I can pull myself up, get back up on the bike, literally and figuratively, make something happen. So I opened up a little uh, shop, accessory shop called Everything But The Bike. And that was kind of a way station for me while I to utilize, to figure out what my next step was in the motorcycle industry. So for about three years, and that's when I met Jeff, when I had the shop, uh, it was in Bridgeport, PA. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so from that, I let my, my network continue to grow. I continued to travel and go to race events and motorcycle events and meet people. And I then started writing for two wheel tuner, which was a, you know, motorcycle lifestyle magazine, uh, it's now defunct, but it was a pretty cool magazine that touched on the culture and subcultures of the American motorcyclists, sport bikes and what have you. So uh, from there, I started writing, I started consulting, 
Uh, I started meeting with people. I became really close friends with Jason Britton. I'm sure you know who Jason is. Um, And Jason kind of took me under his wing. He was another mentor to me. Uh, Jason took me on the road with him, allowed me to learn and and see things. And Jason was the first person to take me to Canada. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I just started traveling, learning, absorbing. And then when I was ready, I sold everything but the bike and simultaneously started Hard Knocks Motorcycle Entertainment. And then several years after that, in October of 2000, actually it was May when, when I launched the when I launched the company Sport Bike Sync Magazine. Uh, but that was 2010, and we launched our first issue in October of 2010. That's uh, cool, man. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. Man. That's pretty awesome. So now, I mean, so now you just you just travel all over. Yeah, bike stuff. I just got back from Vegas and, you know, the AIM Expo was out there and that was a, that's a great, great event. Uh, and it was double duty that weekend. And this was about two weeks ago, the launch of the new Kawasaki 2019 ZX6R was okay. out there. And, you know, we did a street ride one day and then the next day we were at Las, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Wow. Uh, the street ride, though. OK. First of all, Kawasaki has changed the game. They came out with a brand new bike and it costs less than $10,000. It's a super sport uh, bike. It's 636. It's a badass bike. So shout out to Kawasaki. Those guys, they know what they're doing. Right. Um, but we we go on this ride and we leave a golf course. And forgive me for not remembering the name, but we ride through the desert. And next thing you know, we hit this elevation. You know, we start going up the, this mountain. When we get to the, to the you know, to the destination, it's like we're in Switzerland. Yeah. We're in Nevada. I think it's Mount Charles or St. Charles or something. Uh, you know, there's, it's ridiculous. There was snow. It was cold. And just about an hour before we were in the desert, it, I had no idea that Nevada uh, had this terrain, this type of atmosphere. It was great. And the bike handled really well. So we rode that all day on Friday. And then, the next day we were out on track and it was just a blast. So yeah, that's what I do. I travel, I ride bikes, they throw me the keys I ride. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then I write about it. I get paid for my opinion. So I, uh, I did from Vegas down into Havasu, okay. which is a pretty cool ride. It's there's Havasu. one spot that's like a 70 mile stretch through the Mojave desert. Which is just straight, straight, and I've got, I've got selfies. <laughs> I've got one, you know, no-handed shots. I've got like, because well, I mean, it's just a straight line. Just it's a straight line, and it comes up into. There's a tiny little town in Oatman, Arizona, okay. which you ride through. That is, they have donkeys in the town. <laughs> And there's like dudes who, 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 who go around the town and they just clean up the donkey shit. Like that's their job. That's nuts. But it's just this dirt road town. And you see this sign on the left hand side when you're pulling in about three or four miles before you get there. And it's like Oatman, Arizona. And it's like a wooden billboard beat to shit, all weathered from the sun. And then you pull into this tiny little town and that's what's there. It's, I mean, there was the day that we were in there, there was a Cisco truck for food. A whole bunch of donkeys, 
And there's like four of us, three of us that were just riding on bikes, just riding right through. But it's it's a great ride. I love that desert kind of ride, especially when you can get into elevation. Yeah. Once you get up in elevation, I'm a happy dude. I have not done. You know, the, the sad thing is I can't say it's sad because I'm privileged to have the, the, the career that I have and I'm fully aware of it. The only thing that if I could change, I would like to have more pleasure rides. You know, like what you're describing, yeah. you know, you, you, you're riding. It's not part, I'm not going to say it's not part of your job or your task. You're doing it strictly for the pleasure. I've been able, right. like I said, I'm, I'm privileged and I find pleasure in my job. My job is pleasurable, but every once in a while, it would be nice where I could, I would just want to just, you know what, from this day, I'm on a bike and go and just, I'll be back when I'm back. Yeah. You know, I don't have that luxury right now and I'm not complaining, you know, sure. The bills are paid and the lights are on. They're scooting the fridge, thanks to, because of motorcycles. Right. But I'm looking forward to that time. I'm 43, so I'm looking forward to maybe and maybe another 10 years when I can say, you know what, things are going well. The magazine's running, the company's doing well, and the people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. I'm going to take off. I'll be back when I'm yeah. back. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So, are you are you strictly street bike, or are you doing cruiser stuff as well? I do two wheels and an engine, brother. Sometimes doesn't it doesn't matter. Like my, like in my personal fleet, like, you know, I mentioned Ducati uh, previously the, my personal fleet consists of Ducatis and the Ducati XD Avo S the one that I did the long haul on from Daytona. That's a cruiser. That's a power cruiser. Uh, it, it's a great bike. Um, the, my other bikes are, I have a 748. The 2001 748 Ducati, I have an 05 749 Dark, and I have a 14 Panigale S. Um, and I got to tell you, as much of a sport bike guy that I am, my ex Diavo, I walk past her. She's pretty much the one that gets most of my time. Is there something about? Good. Yeah, she. You know, it's it's not it's not just the easement of her, but there's just something super sexy about her. So she gets most of my attention, most of my love right about now. Yeah, I'm an I have an 07 Street Bob. Okay. Which I love. I bought it. I had a, I had an 05 Sportster that I loved. Man, I loved that fucking bike. It was the first bike I ever had. It was the first bike I ever rode. Jeff taught me how to ride a bike. Are you serious? I swear to God, man. I, w- I was doing some stuff for Harley out in, uh, at Hannum's. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, Brian was the general manager at the point. We were talking about an event. I was doing the food for the event because I was the corporate exec for Kildare's and Doc McGrogan's and Harvest and all that stuff. Yeah. So we were doing all the food for the event. And he's like, do you want to try a bike? Cause you haven't stopped looking at them. And I was like, I don't know, man, I've never ridden before. I have no idea. Long story short, two hours later, I bought the bike. Fantastic. They deliver it to my house on a Saturday morning at like 7 a.m. And the guy's like, do you know, have you ever ridden a bike before? I'm like, never. And he's like, clutch, brake, ah, gas. Fundamental. Jeff comes over. I drive his car to a parking lot. Okay. Uh, he takes the bike over 45 minutes to an hour. We're in the parking lot. I'm doing fucking figure eights and U-turns and I'm trying to figure everything out and do all the shit that I have to do. And the next day I rode a little over a hundred miles. Fantastic. How long ago was this? So God, this had to be eight years ago. You know what the thing is, man? Motorcycles brings people 
together. Totally. It, there's, you know, there's something about the shared freedom. You can ride in a group yeah. individually. And there is something that I think each a rider will recognize in another rider's soul, that kindred spirit. And, and, and there's something magical when it happens. There's something magical. Yeah, it's very, it's a, what we are, we are a very cool section of our culture. We're a very, yeah. the culture of being a human being. You right. know, we, we're very, there's something special about us. So I'm not saying I'm special because my mama think I'm special, but, <laughs> but you know, we're special people and we really right. are. It's, you know, I mean, for me, it's like, uh, honestly, when Jeff and I ride and if we have, sometimes we'll have headsets in. Sure. So we'll use the Cena headsets, which I, I hate to say, and you may want to mention something to them. They work about 25 to 30% of the time. Which brand are you using? Cena. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I've traveled, we flew him out to, uh, we flew him out to, uh, Spokane and we rode 1500 miles without fucking headsets on. Okay. Cause they just weren't working. So, um, but I would tell you, take a look at Cardo, uh, Cardo, uh, they man, a- I just dropped $300 on a fucking Cena. I'm not buying another set. Should have called me first, bro. I know that. And I'm going to yell at Jeff for that because he was the one who told me to get him. No, but, but the funny thing is when we ride, when we do have our headsets on and I'm being dramatic about 25%, we, we talk more on the bike than we do in our real life. Seeing that's, you you know what, that I think when people hear that, they're going to say, well, that doesn't make sense. Right. To me, that makes perfect sense. It's, it's just, there's a communication and we literally talk, how are the girls? How are your parents? Talk about this, blah, 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 this and that, you know I mean? There's like this great communication that happens and we go on, you know, we'll do a 200 mile ride. Now we don't do them as much anymore. Our, our kids are older and all that stuff, Sure. but, but we have great conversations, man. I mean, I've done, I've done some really cool rides. I did. I was the number two guy in a charity ride in Fresno, California. What? Where I rode up into the Sierra National Park. Okay. And stayed up there. I was literally number two. The guy who was ahead of me was like, he was the head of this this MC that was out there. And he was this old dude. He was like 65 or 70 years old. And it's him and then fucking me, this fat little chef <laughs> who's riding behind him because we were raising money for uh, Children's Hospital of uh, of Central California. And it was a super cool ride, fucking police escort the whole way in. You just said, wait, wait, you said you were this little fat chef? Yeah, yeah. Wait, I'm just saying, sidebar, little fat chef, big bat, black man, motorcycles, food. That's yeah. a show. We can talk about it. Let's shelve it for now, but let's just talk about it later. <laughs> little white little white chef, big black man, motorcycles, right. food. That's all I'm saying. I'm putting it Moses, Moses and the cracker. Yo! I love it. Moses and the cracker. No, 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 no. It would be Moses and saltine. And the salt and saltine. Yeah. Salt makes you retain water. Makes me fat. I like it. I'm good with it. Uh, I got some cool shit coming up soon. We'll talk about that in person. But um, it, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you, dude. I really think there's, there's a bond, whether, whether you're doing a toy run or you're doing a 1500 mile ride or you're meeting up up at Lansdale fucking bike night for sure. For There's sure. something about it. Now I, I have, I was involved in a ride and 
I, I think I, I think I took Jeff down with me and he's like, why the fuck am I doing this <laughs> on a toy run okay. that was put on by the pagans in Philly? <laughs> you know what, wait, all, all kidding aside, you know what, you, there's a, you could say a lot about motorcycle clubs yes. and what their purposes are. You know, so just as a disclaimer to anyone listening, you know, just because they're in a said club doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad person because we don't right. need anybody knocking on our doors. So but with that said, please continue with the story. No, dude. I mean, seriously, I, I well, the ride itself is is a really boring ride. Yeah. You start off on Delaware Avenue. You head up to uh, Citizens so Bank Park. Right. Okay. You, well, Citizens Bank Park was this one. You okay. drop your toys off. You get back on your bike and you go home. Right. Pretty much is the way that the whole thing works. But I, even that day, I mean, there's just something about everybody sitting on a bike. Yeah. And you're all the same thing at that point. It doesn't matter. It's a great equalizer. Yes. Great- now we've had we've had some weird, weird stuff. Like we were out in all the way out Pennsylvania Turnpike. Okay. Near. Honeybrook, Pennsylvania. Do you know where that is? It's up there, isn't it? So it's like Morgantown. It's like yeah. the Morgantown exit off of of uh, 76 West. Yeah. You're out there, like all the way past King of Prussia, all the way past like Spring City, 100, pot, like all the way out there. Yeah. We pull into this little, it was me. I think Jeff was with us. I can't remember. And another buddy of ours, two buddies of ours, and the one guy had an FOP jacket on because okay. he was an he was an ex cop. Okay. And we pull up, and there's like three bikes out front. So we just pull our bikes up, and we drop the bikes, and we go inside, and we sit down, and we walk in, and it's like an all Mexican biker group, like all Mexican gang, so like you- full colors. The whole nine yards. Did all heads turn at the door when you guys? Every wanted- fucking individual. We were. I was Animal House. Ah, Otis, ah, wait till Otis sees us. Oh my god. Oh, he loved us. Oh, that's great. Everybody um, stopped and turned, and we were like, "Like, all right, fuck it. Who cares? Like, we're on bikes. It doesn't matter." We sit down at the bar, and right. in walk these three dudes. One of the guys' name was Loctite because he had it tattooed on his neck. And they were pagans and they were meeting. They were having a meeting with these guys. Okay. And there was probably about 60 of them. Loctite walked out to us about five minutes after the meeting started just to find out if we were cops. Wow. Because the, the nicest. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The nicest dude. I was like, let me buy you a drink. He's like, I, I don't drink anymore. Thank you so much. He's like, I'm just talking. You know, it was just it was a super great conversation he was the nicest dude and it, it was there was that perception of biker gang especially you hear about pagans and hell's angels and all that sort of shit you know he was just double checking to see who we were man that's all it was thing is even with clubs and i i don't belong to a club but i am friendly i consider myself an ambassador to a lot of the clubs in the philadelphia region uh and what i find most what's most important to them is protocol Sure. It's protocol, you know, and that's it's protocol and respect. Um, you know, a lot of I think a lot of people have watched certain TV shows and feel as though that that is an accurate representation of the MC life. And I think what they've done, those television shows, I won't name any, but, you know, I think that they I'll name one when you're done. Which one? 
I'll name one when you're done. Go ahead. Okay. Keep talking. I'm listening. You name one, I'll name one. But okay. I feel like they've taken creative license with the standards and practices of MCs and have created this fever of, you know, they've, oh, I, it's, it's popular now. So I want to go join a club. There was one summer, two summers ago, uh, when I will just say when Sons of Anarchy first came out, I remember at the beginning of the summer, there were a whole bunch of new clubs that would show up at the bike nights, whole bunch of new clubs about two months into the summer. Well, you know, halfway into the summer at that point, those clubs were no longer there. And I could only imagine that either things got really hot, really real, really fast for them. And right. they realized that this life is not, a, it's not a movie. It's yeah. not even, and that when things pop off, things pop off. But I think it was sensationalized. The lifestyle has been sensationalized by television and film. Sure. A hundred percent. I mean, what'd you say? What show were you going to name? Laughing Devil. What? Do you remember that show? They were out in Lodi. It was on like A&E or something. And they started off following. It to be uh, a reality show. It was supposed to be a fucking reality show. But it was so easy. You could, if you didn't know that show was scripted, um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Laughing Devil, I remember. Second oh, season was, it, it, it was, the first season was a great show. Yeah. Because it followed the dynamic of the club. And I don't know, was it scripted or not? I have no idea. If you ask me, just the vibe to me was, it was just interesting how the camera always cut just before. You know, the fights, nobody was really punching anybody or hitting right. anybody. It, you know, so I've been in fights before. I know that you connect. So if the camera <laughs> is angled a certain type of way, it might not be real. Just saying. Right. Okay. The second season was just terrific. Yeah. But Sons of Anarchy was a good show, though, dude. I think it was a fantastic show. But you know what? That was great writing. Kurt Sutter, that guy can write. And yeah. he can develop. Yeah. He can make you feel and you know, you you feel sorry for certain people. You feel happy for certain people. So he Kurt Sutter knows how to develop stories, story arcs. You he draws you in. And yeah. that's just master storytelling. Master storytelling by Kurt Sutter. That guy's awesome. Who was uh who was the mom? What's her name? Katie. Oh, Peg Bundy. Peg Bundy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dude, amazing. You know what? Didn't see it coming. Didn't no. see her execution of the character coming. Like, she just really, she, to me, she was, obviously, she was a staple in the show. Yeah. But she was so important to every aspect of the development. One season after the next. Yeah. She was a mainstay, you know, and she just, just a great, you know what, too? Casting. Sure. Great job with casting. Yeah. Opie, remember Opie? Like Opie was the shit, dude. That fight, that last fight, come on. How could you not feel for that guy? Yeah. I remember, I remember sitting on the edge of my couch watching the show, like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, my God. So, So, but him, her and Kurt Sutter are married. Really? Yeah, I believe, yeah, they're married. They have kids together. Had no idea. Yeah, and they're really cool. Like if you follow, you follow. I follow him on Instagram, and I follow her as well. And they post a lot of cool shit. They've got two kids, I believe. Okay. Yeah, it's Katie pretty cool. Katie, yeah. that's her name. Katie Segal. Yeah, that's right. Shout that's out to her. Shout out to Katie. She's amazing. Amazing yeah. actress. 
Uh, awesome, awesome stuff. But so now for you, I mean, you're like in in the in the motorcycle world that's in yeah. Philly. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of different clubs. There are. But and you know who introduced. So somebody once told me the difference between what a one percenter was. I never knew the story of the one yeah. percenter. And it was Tony Luke. Tony Luke told me the whole story, man. Yeah. Do you know Tony? Do you know Tony at all? Tony Luke? Tony, yeah. Uh, I I remember Tony when Tony had a little bit of hair. Now he has no hair. Now he's got no hair. Yeah. Yeah. No hair, none whatsoever. Tony was on the show. Tony's a Tony's a good, good friend. Yeah. So uh, but he he kind of he kind of schooled me on colors and cuts and and the whole nine yards. Like I just didn't know. You know what? Like I said earlier, it's a lot to it has a lot to do with protocol. Yeah. And respect. Um, you know, it, 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 the one percent, that's the one percent of the population that decides to live according to their own rules. Right. So that one percent population of the motor of, of, of the population, but specifically in the bike culture and the motorcycle community, you know, those are people that are. You know, they're not just because they decide to live by their own rules doesn't mean that the rules are bad. Right. They just decided that this is how they want to live their life and they don't want anybody telling them what to do, when to do it or how to do it. And I can actually sympathize with that. You know, that's why I work for myself. I personally have a problem with authority. And I figured that out early on. I said, well, I better work for myself. I better figure that part out. If I want to make a living and, and prosper as a human being. So I get that sensibility. Um, and then there's other riders that just want to ride they're not really in they're not interested in standing on on the other side of the law um and they just want to be a a club now in philadelphia you know in pennsylvania i know it works as such that if you are a if you are a motorcycle club you will have to work within for the safety and for the respect and the protocol you kind of have to be announced to members of the reigning, if you want to say, motor, 1% motorcycle club, because they kind of, as a whole, they kind of make the rules on the set. They sure. kind of, you're in a, 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 a 1% club or supporting club or not, if you know what's good for you and just out of respect, you might want to, that sounds bad when I say if you know what's good for you, I'm going to take that back. Just out of respect for protocol, you you, you kind of want to play within the rules. You want to ride within the rules. It just makes things smoother and easier. I've seen I've seen some rough things happen to people who decided that they wanted to do things their own way, and it didn't work out too well. And uh, right. I've seen some rough things. And uh, again, it's not like they. It's not a shakedown situation. It's just that if you want to say like. You, you think about the uh, the wheels, wheels of soul. Okay, Which I got a great story about those guys. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. So now, basically, those guys they have kind of set the tone in the Philadelphia bike community. And again, you you say set the tone, it doesn't mean that they've set the bad tone or the good tone. They've set the tone. So a lot of things, the history and the pedigree and the legacy that they have set forth. You know, you kind of there's a certain homage that needs that that is paid to them in that regard. So they just kind of want to keep things as they are. Yeah. As a rider, these a lot of new clubs that came up, they had no idea about the hierarchy or the protocol. And 
in some situations, it didn't didn't work out too well for those people. Now, wheels are they're they're an all black club, aren't they? Yes. You might find a few of your Hispanic brothers in in the mix, you know, but for the most part. Yeah. Cause that's one of the things. Cause so years ago, I, I mean, I'm talking 20 years ago, dude, easily 25. I was, one of my buddies was a musician and we were all hanging out at a bar in Narberth. And he's like, tonight is an open night mic night at the wheels of soul club on market street on market street. <laughs> and Clarence Clemens was playing. The yeah. Yeah. At the wheels club. Okay. And I mean, we're talking, I couldn't get any fucking whiter walking in the front door in like a pair. I may as well have just had like a polo sweater draped, a pink one draped across my. With your collar popped up? With my collar popped the whole nine yards. Because when you walk in the front door and you and on the on the wall, there's a picture of a guy whose hands are on the on the uh, on the handlebars. And it just says, we're mad, pissed off and off our medication. Yeah. And I remember looking through a window and this guy walks up to me and his name was Bear and he was a super cool motherfucker. And I hung out with him for about six hours sitting on the front step of the club. And the front door said death to the KKK. Yep. It's still there. It's still there. And there was a there was like a back seat to a van. So it was out front with a whole bunch of bikes and bear. And I sat down and just talked for a while, man, and listened to fucking music and smoked cigarettes and drank fucking bud pounders. But he put his hand on my shoulder at one point when I was looking through this window inside of the club next to the bathroom. And he's like, there's you, there's nothing through that window that you need to see. Yeah. And I was like, all right, man, that's cool. I got you. Every part of what you just said just resounded wisely in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I learned some cool shit and I, I wanted to join. I was like, do what one do I need to be? Do I have to be black? And two, do I need a bike? <laughs> and he was like, no, every club needs a cook, man. Every club needs a good cook. Every club needs a good cook. I, so man, do we got to ride someday, man? I really want to get out. I'd I'm love to see, cause to I would love to see what it is that you do. Yeah. You know, because I've seen video, like I've done my research, I've watched stuff. That you do. The weird thing is that you and I have never met. We live in the same area. I know. I know. You know what, though? It's funny. I have actually I have two friends that live in Philadelphia. I never see them when we're home. I always see them when and they work in the industry as well. I only see them when we're in California at a bike event or when we're in Daytona for bike week. Never see each other when we're home. But do you. What is the event that goes on that went on in Wildwood about three years ago? The distinguished the gentleman. The it's, it's every year. It's every year. It's the distinguished gentleman's ride, and it yeah. goes uh, toward cancer research. Um, that's a very, very cool event. Very cool event. Because Bryce flew in and took my bike down. Who did? Bryce flew in three years ago, maybe three, four years ago, and and stayed at my house the night before. Okay. Woke up the next morning. Uh, popped the helmet on, popped it back on the back of my bike and took off. Yeah. You know, he's like, I'm going to rent a bike. I'm like, fuck renting a bike, dude. Just take mine. Nice. You know, just take mine and go. I wasn't going to be home. It, you know, I wasn't going to ride it. So, yeah. 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 That's, um, a, that's an annual event. They just, you know, it's typically in October, beginning of October, end of September. I think it's the beginning of October. 
Okay. And then there's another, so there's another event that I'm going to talk to you about off air once we get involved, but there's a huge thing that's going to happen down in Orlando. Okay. That I want to talk to you about. I think I have something for you yeah. as an appearance type thing. Yeah, yeah. Plus I could really enjoy writing about it. So I'll let you know more about it. I'm waiting on the final details on it because they want me to handle the food portion of it, not the catering, but kind of emceeing and doing all that stuff. So sure. Um, but it's, it's a really cool event and, and, uh, Bryce is probably going to be involved and some of the other shit that he does. So, but I'll let you know about it uh, right now. Everybody on air is like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Hold on, back ah. off. You got to get, they got to reference it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, dude, so, so what's going on for you now? What's, what's your next kind of step? What, what happens next? I am, I get to, uh, actually not get on a plane. For the next couple of weeks, I'm actually a little bit, I'm, I'm going to be home, home, you know, obviously always working, but I'm home. I don't have to travel. Next big thing for me is going to be the New York uh, International Motorcycle Show at the Javits Center. That's going to be the first weekend in December. Um, that's always a good time. Have you been to the International Motorcycle Show? No, dude, you know, I, I didn't, I've never, I never got into bikes until the last really the last six years and, you, and, and I'm so busy with travel. I mean, I fly 80 to a hundred thousand miles a year. So it's like, if I have an opportunity to hook up with a dealership where I can get a bike and ride, yeah. then I will, but I don't, I can't make it to shows and stuff like that. I just don't have the free time. I have two kids, man. So I, yeah, I can get that, man. It's a, uh, it's a great show though. I mean, it's a really great, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's vendors. It's the, the manufacturers are there with the new bike models and there's industry events and parties that are off site and it's New York. So, I mean, it's a good time, but I usually, uh, I have a booth there and I'll be there and, uh, you know, it's kind of a good chance to have FaceTime with people that read the magazine or right. that follow me on social media. It's a lot of handshaking and picture taking and just, you know, continuing to build the brand. So sure. That's good times, man. That's next for me. Uh, when is that? That's going to be, that's the very first weekend in December. Very the first very weekend. first weekend in December. So let me just look at my calendar right now. Cause I am supposed to be in New York on December 2nd. And dude, you better. And that is the first weekend. Yeah. 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 That's that Sunday. That's that Sunday. It's November the 30th through yeah. December the 2nd. So you better. So it's Friday. I'm there. I'm there that weekend. I'm going to get you some tickets. You tell me how many you need. Okay. Come up and we'll have a good time. All right. That sounds good, dude. All right. So, uh, Alan, we, we got to go because I know you have your world and I got my world and we both have to go and get involved in it. Um, tell me how, uh, tell everybody again who you are and how we can get in contact with you. And then we'll go from there, dude. Yeah. Uh, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. I am Alan Lane. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. Black Moses. MR Black Moses and Sport Bikes Inc. And so, uh, yeah, that's look me up there. Follow. I might follow back. I'm kidding. I will follow back. Send me some, <laughs> likes. Send me some likes and uh, check out the content and sportbikesincmag.com. That's where you can go to see the magazine and read it. It's online, it's digital, it's monthly, it's free. Please go check it out. Uh, we do everything from lifestyle articles, product reviews, new bike reviews, featured riders, you name it. It's in there. So sportbikesinkmag.com. 
And then if anybody's ever interested, we're going to get uh, we're going to get Alan involved in our group. We are affectionately called. We have our own motorcycle gang. I want oh you boy. to know, Alan, it's called Frozen Nuticles. Frozen Nuticles. Because we're jackasses and we decide to ride around Thanksgiving and through the winter when it's about 12 fucking degrees out and nobody else is riding. We go out. Because it's like the only opportunity for everybody. Jeff's it's the only opportunity for like everybody to get together. We rarely have the whole group of us. There's like 15 or 18 of us in there or something. But it's really pretty funny because we all post shit in there. And we all every time you see a funny meme or something like that, it ends up in there. Wait, I inducted into that now. Am I now you are. You're now an honorary member. My guy. I'm all about of the frozen nuticles. I like, you know, black people don't like the cold, but we'll make it work. I know, man. I know. What do we have? Two, uh, two black guys in the NHL now. Watch out, man. We're going to take over. <laughs> it's, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Dude, I'm so glad we got to talk. Dude, and, this has uh, been a blast, man. Thank you so much, yeah. man. No, my pleasure. And I will definitely reach out. And, you know, you're not far from me anyway. So let's just let's go out one night and get a couple pops or something, dude. I love it. All right. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Alan, thanks for hopping on, brother. I'll give you a call in a little bit when I'm all done. All right. Thanks, bro. Take Cheers, care. dude. Awesome. There you go, everybody. That's the world, man. That's the world right there. That's two guys who have followed each other, who have a connection with other people, but have never once been connected. Um, I consider Alan a friend now. I'm stoked to hopefully get to do some stuff with him. Uh, I'm definitely going to head up to the to the show. Uh, Jeff, come on. Let's go. Let's go up and uh, check out what's going on and watch Alan at work. Um, that's kind of the gist of it, man. That's what I got for you guys today. This was just a, a good episode, a good fun chat just between guys, which I really like. We get to talk about bikes and cool shit like that. I have a feeling Alan's going to be on again uh, just because I, I don't feel that I really dug in deeper. I want to dig in deeper. I want to find out more about this underworld of bikes. So uh, everybody do me a favor. Go follow him on Instagram at Mr. Black Moses. Uh, you guys can check me out. You guys already know me at Chef Bryduff. I'm on there. Tell your friends about Duffified Live. Go to iTunes and give us a little bit of a review at the same time. The other thing is we got to thank the three people that matter the most to me in the iPod or in the, the podcast world. We're going to talk about the boys down there at RadioInfluence.com who not only have a boatload of podcasts that they do, they now have two locations. If you have a podcast and you're in the Tampa or St. Pete area, you guys need to get down there. Um, these guys have two studios that you can now record in, which is absolutely amazing. Um, I also want to uh, thank uh, Maggie Gagliardi, who does all of our images for us for the promo pieces. And I definitely want to thank Michelle out there at Techno Solution. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Brian Duffy, and I appreciate all the time and the support from all of you. Now, do me a favor and go out there and just be nice to somebody. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. This is a Jim Fannin Show Quick Fix on Radio Influence. This show is about leadership and and guiding other people in your life. Um, think about what you think about, but think about your words and what power phrases uh, can you wield. You know, there, there's all kinds of words, and, and I think we need to change and upgrade, alter our vocabulary. Some of the words that we could be using would be conquest or 
decisive, leverage, apex, resilient, audacity, uh, backbone, fortitude. You know, you, you can add so many boldness, brashness, realization. Gather some new words, wield them with the people you're looking to influence, and then give it repetition. And, and the repetition set the certain words and phrases, it's going to eventually resonate with your contacts. And own these words. Use them judiciously in the natural flow of your conversations. And, and if you add silence before and after action words or an action phrase, that's going to accentuate and leverage their power. In fact, attention and retention with silence, it increases 30 to 40 percent. The Jim Fannin Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.